0: Yeah, good evening, and welcome to the Big Red Bench this Saturday evening. It's Colm O'Sullivan and Tomás O'Leary with you until seven o'clock on. Uh bad weekend weather-wise for sport, but still plenty to chat about. We look back on Cork City's first win of the season last night, a one-goal victory, a one-nil victory over Finn Harps at Turner's Cross. We'll hear from manager Neil Fenn. And we've also got an exclusive interview with Cork City chairman Declan Carey. He joins us live in studio later to talk about the proposed takeover of Cork City Football Club. We also look back on a busy day of Premier League action. We talk rugby and, of course, the postponement of the Ireland and Italy game due to the coronavirus next week. And also, Hopefully, if we have time, we'll be chatting motorsport with Matt Griffin later on before the end of the show. Aye, 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 aye. Aye, 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 aye. Yeah, good evening. Welcome to Saturday evening's edition of The Big Red Bench. It's Colman and Tomás with you. Evening, Tomás, how are you? I'm fantastic. It's always a good day to be here with you, Colin. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, lots going on, but uh, just there's a few things ongoing at the moment before we go into your full roundup. Uh, Liverpool in action at the moment uh, no score there still um, at Vicarage Road Liverpool and Watford in that game on a busy day of Premier League action
1: and uh, Munster in action in Thomond Park as well at the moment yeah Munster in action is just half time there and it's 10 points to 3 uh, to Munster Jack O'Sullivan with a try there the head of the game probably does the, the sending off tell yeah, us about yeah. that because we were watching it there it was mad wasn't it yeah the scarlet second row he kind of lost the head really um, was kind of handing off a few fellas to the face and then kind of lost it through a left haymaker missed his target <laughs> which was Finine Witcherly I think and hit JJ Hanrahan with a bit of a hook by accident and then went for for Witcherly to make sure he caught him he caught him a nice little uh, Little punch as well. Yeah,
0: so. digs flying everywhere at one stage there, and and, and it, it, the halftime highlights on T G TGK are, are showing probably how bad the rest of the game was because that's all they keep showing.
1: Yeah, no, it is exactly. Um, but to be fair, like I said, Jack O'Sullivan got a nice little try, um, just just picked up for two meters out. But he's been impressive, and Craig Casey as well at nine has yeah. been impressive. So it's good to see those younger guys get an opportunity. Look, it's very difficult conditions. Of course, you know, a, 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 Was that a, game in doubt at any stage today? No, I think they're like the the west coast of Ireland. It was all. Pretty, pretty. We were down in, in Killarney last night, and even the gale there was a lot stronger than in Cork. So you can imagine moving up towards Limerick and Clare. Clare's been having an awful, an awful hiding altogether thus far. But I don't think he was ever in doubt. But looking at the conditions on TV. Um, it's very tough to play in anyway.
0: Hopefully Munster, on course, for a good win. We'll chat more rugby later on because we're going to be talking about the Ireland's and uh, Italy game postponed because of the coronavirus. But uh, lots of other stuff going on this weekend, Tomás.
1: Yeah, and football, where Cork City picked up their first win of the season last night, the Rebel Army defeated Finn Harps by a goal to nil in cross. Alex Byrne with the game's only goal in the second half. Off the pitch, Cork City have confirmed that Liam Bossen has been discharged from hospital this afternoon. The goalkeeper suffered a head injury in City's win Against Van Harps last night, manager Neil Fenn said Boston will continue to be assessed in the coming days by their medical team. Cove Ramblers Meenoye lost out one nil away to UCD, and due to bad weather and the status Orange Water winning storm, Jorge the FA have called off all today's intermediate cup games between Wimbledon managers and College Corinthians. In the Premier League, Liverpool are currently away to Watford, where the score is nil all. Um, earlier today, it ended Crystal Palace one, Brighton nil, West Ham three, Southampton one, Newcastle nil, Burnley nil. Bournemouth 2, Chelsea 2. Five of this weekend's Serie A matches have been postponed due to coronavirus outbreak in Northern Italy. The games, including the clash between Juventus and Inter Milan, were due to be played behind closed doors. However, they have been rearranged for the 13th of May. And in Gaelic Games, the Hearty Cup final has been postponed once again due to the bad weather. Christian Brothers College Cork were due to face St. Flanders of Ennis in the Mallow this lunchtime. It will now be played at 12 noon in Mallow tomorrow instead. two of this evening's games have been rescheduled in the Allians National Football League due to Storm Jorge Division 1 class between Mayo and Kerry will now be played in Castle tomorrow at 1pm while the Division 2 derby between Leash and Kildare will now take place at Amor Park at 1pm tomorrow Dublin can move two points clear to some of Division 1 with a win against Tyrone this evening and rugby action is underway between Munster and Scarlets in the Guinness Pro 12 game at Thomond Park it's half time there and 10 points to 3 Munster leads at Scarlets and to golf, where Shane Lowry's three shots off the lead, heading into today's third round of the Hyundai Classic. The Offaly man will tee off from two under par, just after 6pm Irish time. Brendan Steele holds a one-shot lead over the field at five under par.
0: Uh, that hearty cup game, Tomás, it, hopefully it eventually goes ahead tomorrow, because it, it looks or it seems like they've been trying to play that game forever at this stage. I mean, hopefully CBC finally get onto the field tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I think it was a bit of a bit of a shambles two weeks ago when I think all the players pulled up to to Mallow, at whatever time half ten in the morning, getting ready to play a game. And it's pretty obvious that no game was going to be played in yeah. those conditions. Um, I I think it was probably a good decision that that they they made it early and and called off the game today. Because even if you probably could have played a game, you know your showpiece hurling game for the for the schools for the schools final, you you don't want it to be played in windy conditions, wet conditions. I know. Look, we might get a bit of that tomorrow. But the forecast is a bit better tomorrow. So I think it was a sense, sensible option to, to push it back 24 hours and just give the players and, and people travelling to the game due notice. So hopefully, hopefully, um, hopefully, be a good game. But, Mallow, it's pretty bleak down there. It's the top of a hill. Yeah. It's pretty exposed. So. Kind of question whether they should have moved it to, uh, to you know Cusick Park or, or Parky Ring here create probably a bit more of an atmosphere as well for for the for the fans and students. The young
0: players um, from CBC and St Flannens they'd obviously surely rather play in a big ground, be it a Parky Ring or, or Cusick Park or something, because it's a big moment in their young sporting careers. So it'd be nice to market in a, in a big ground like that, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm.
1: I think so, um, and even just from terms of people, spectators, um, yeah, the the one, spectators. Yeah, spectators too. I look, Mal is a fantastic facility, and they have a stand there. Uh, and everything like that and uh, you know not knocking Mallow but just in terms of you know it's the pinnacle of a lot of these guys schools careers and, and it's a big big game so maybe they could have flipped the coin and see, see which team had, had kind of home home advantage but um, yeah look hopefully now it will be, be a decent weather tomorrow on Mallow and uh, hopefully we get a Christian's win Hopefully
0: too. we get a Christian's win we'd both, we'd both like that absolutely um, it'd be even nicer than that to get the hurling title like wouldn't it?
1: Oh it'd be great So um, many
0: rugby titles over the years
1: yeah, look, it'd be fantastic to get both of them because we're obviously we're in yeah. the 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 rugby final too against against Preds so. The double could be on.
0: The double uh, could be on the hurling and rugby double for CBC. We'll see how it goes, but we're going back to Turners Cross last night now because Cork City picked up their first league win of the season. And it was nice to get back to football because um, there's been a lot of talk of off the field matters at Cork City during the week, and we will be addressing them because Declan Carey is joining us live, the Cork City chairman, in studio in a few minutes' time. First, uh, in a few minutes' time, to chat about all that as well. But first of all, we look at the match last night, and Cork City defeated Finn Harps by a goal to nil for their first win of the season at Turners Cross. Alex, uh, Alex Byrne with the game's only goal in the second half uh, off the pitch as Tomás mentioned Cork City have confirmed that Liam Bosson has been discharged from hospital this afternoon uh, he went off injured with what looked like a bad head injury and you've always got to be careful with the head injury Um just before half-time Harps went 1-0 up and they were 1-0 up for a few minutes because it took a while for the ref to disallow the goal um, and Liam Boston collided with the striker who came in to score the goal they kind of slid in on each other and um, it was literally a knee to a head kind of situation and he was looked like he was knocked out cold for a good yeah. 5, 6, 7 minutes Chief. and that's kind of a worrying situation he was taken to hospital thankfully he's fine Mark McNulty came on and Cork City went on to win the game but um, a head injury is is always risky business isn't it?
1: Yeah look you got to you know you got you know, safe to be know, safety safety of the players is paramount importance and anything with the head um you got to bring on the medical staff and make sure the player is 100% all right so obviously he'd have been assessed overnight in the hospital and great to hear that he's he's been released um and all looks good but he'll follow all the return to play protocols now with the medical staff um, you know that across the board and, and rugby, BGA, soccer, they all of those uh, standard medical medical yeah. protocols, which is great. Player welfare, like I said, is is paramount and, and first and foremost. So, look, it seems seems that he's he's going to be okay, which is great news. Um, and looking back, I suppose it could be a little quiz question as well when was VAR yeah. first used in, <laughs> in, in the League of Ireland I think the Cork City fans were, 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 were kind of made the decision there were they? Well, Cork City fans <laughs> were
0: the VAR last night yeah I think, well, I think it was crowd pressure definitely because uh, it took the ref ages and I, I honestly believe if the keeper hadn't stayed down yeah. he would have probably let the goal stand I, I think the, the crowd kind of kind of got him and won him around but uh, the Finharps players were going mad afterwards and you can understand where they're coming from as well as was the Finharps manager uh, Oli Horgan who's, who's an interesting character on the sideline to say the least but but I chatted with uh, Cork City manager, Neil Fenn, after the game and he was pretty happy getting uh, his first win of the season. First win of the season for Cork City. I'm with Neil Fenn and uh, it's nice to be
2: talking about a win, Fenn. It is, um, finally, yeah. You know, it was, a, it was a not the best performance in the first half but you know, we, we, we said a few words in at half-time and thought the second half performance was much better, attacked way more, um, had more control of the game and, and I think probably on second half performance deserved
0: the win. Um, I suppose the real turning point in the game was the... The incident with the keeper uh, getting injured and in the disallowed goal. I mean that really changed things and it you kinda know, seemed to fire things up, it fired the crowd up. The crowd really got behind City in the second half and he came out of all guns blazing in the second half really. Yeah, exactly. Now obviously,
2: you know, Liam's still injured and he's in he's in hospital at the moment, so we would have preferred that it didn't happen. But um, the fact that, you know, the ref you know, disallowed it. In the end, it was to me. It looked it looked obvious. One. It was. It was a not a dangerous tackle. It's a, it's a sort of fifty-fifty challenge. That um, you know, it's always going to be a free kick in my book. And, and I think it was right. It was disallowed.
0: There any update on Liam?
2: I haven't. Oh, I've just heard that he's still in hospital and he's still getting checks. But he was. You know, it looked like a bad one. And hopefully, it'll be okay. Hopefully, um, Mark McNulty came in probably. He was back on the pitch sooner than he expected to be, but he did quite well. Yeah, you know, Nolts, he's taken up a, a player-coach role now and he's, he's enjoying that. So, but he, you know, I thought he did really well. I thought he looked commanding, his distribution was good. So it's always good when, you know, you've got a quality keeper as your second choice.
0: I'm uh, oh, sorry. D- that's,
2: that's unfair <laughs> on Nolts because
0: they're both going for the number one, yeah. number one jersey and um, I mean it's quite possible he could be in for the next few weeks but obviously we don't know yet the extent of Liam's injury exactly yeah You know, we, we hopefully um, it's not too bad we
2: don't know it's, 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 it's hard to speculate but hopefully it's not too bad and he'll be back again soon but if, if not you know Nolts is, a, is an, able, um, an able understudy
0: some good performances in the second half I mean uh, a lot of players kind of drove it on like Alec Byrne with a goalie he got man of the match Gareth Morrissey put in a captain's performance and, and guys really stepped it up
2: yeah they had to because the first half was, was unacceptable and we told him that and I think um, Gero Morrissey was, was back to his best in the second half before he dominated the midfield which is where we were losing it in the first half and I felt that Alec Byrne, like you said, got a grip of it Henry, we, we started to get the ball in midfield and then we got hold of it and started being able to pass the ball to our forwards and once the, the ball's in our forwards,
0: you know, we, we've got exciting players up there In the first half, I mean, things looked a bit nervous um, Finn Harps are probably definitely the better team in the first half so were there a few harsh words at half-time? Yeah, definitely, we, did, we didn't play
2: well, we didn't do what we'd worked on um, for, for many reasons, you know, it's hard to pinpoint Um, One particular thing, but you know, in the second half, we we told them, you know, that we weren't happy with it, that it wasn't acceptable, and it's not the kind of performance we want. And to be fair to them, they came out in the second half, took it on board, and and were miles better.
0: It was a bad week last week, obviously, with, with the two results, especially the Shamrock Rovers one. But I mean, this is important. Get the home win, things up and running now, really, and a couple of big games to come, and they'll have a bit of confidence now with the lads as well. Yeah, you know, I've said it before that it's it, it, they're difficult places to go. You know, Dundalk
2: went to Shamrock Rovers today, conceded three goals and couldn't beat them. So, you know, that's that's not you know, this is, they are difficult places to go. Dundalk's a difficult place to go. Not many teams will go there and win. So, you know, we we have to keep our heads, keep our head about us, and keep belief and keep faith in what we're doing. Um, and tonight was a big result. For
0: brilliant well done Neil fair play City manager Neil Fenn after their victory last night and I would think quite a relief for Neil Fenn to, to get that win last night finally
1: yeah you can almost sense the the relief there um, after a you know, difficult couple of, couple of first games um, in the league see all the kind of the talk as well around the, the takeover will it happen will it not um, which is always going back to finances and the lack yep. of spend so constantly being brought back to, to the recruitment they've done and maybe the, the quality or lack of quality that they were able to bring to the club so look it's good to get back on the pitch get a win lift a bit of the pressure um, and now hopefully they can give it a momentum and, and maybe take another win or two in in, in, in the next couple of weeks so um, yeah look fantastic for Cork City um, sounds like there was a bit of crack and the crowd really getting involved in, in the game so look um, the cross on a, on a Friday night are, is always a great place to be absolutely Um, we'll hear from Declan Carey he's here
0: with us we're going to be chatting to him about the takeover and uh, club finances and all the stuff going on in the background which is the the real thing of interest I think to a lot of people in Cork at the moment but first of all we chatted as well last night I chatted after the game to Cork City legend George O'Callaghan league winner from 2005 and we got his views on last night's win full time at Turner's Cross and we're talking about a victory a first win
3: of the season for Cork City 1-0 against Finn Harps George it's good to be celebrating a win at least anyway yeah it's great and it's, it's what they needed we said before the game they needed to get the three points tonight and they've got that um, it was tough work they rode their luck at a few times but um, they've got what they, what, what they needed tonight and uh, hopefully that builds a little bit of confidence now and, and their season starts tonight hopefully It was a massive
0: football cliche it actually was properly a game of two halves wasn't it I mean City were poor in the first half but really stepped it up then in the second half and they disallowed goal for Finn Harps towards the end of the first half when the keeper got injured real turning point
3: Yeah and um, do you know, it probably was a goal, you know, and I, and I think looking at it, they did, they did ride, a, ride a look in the first half, you know, because Finn Harms were the better side. They came out second half and, you know, Alex Burns nicked that goal and you, you could see when they got that goal, the kind of confidence kind of went back into the team and they look, they look sharper, they look more of an, an attacking threat, if anything, more than they have looked in the last few games. So um, you know, I suppose you look at it tonight, there, it covers over a few cracks, but there, do you know what, they needed a win and you can't be negative all the time they got the three points and that's what they're there to do and, and they got it by hook or by crook they have got it and uh, hopefully you now they can kick on The Pat's had a poor result tonight so hopefully they can go up there and get a win next week I mean it was vital
0: to get those three points tonight and it, it didn't really matter how it came about I mean it, it might not have been the greatest of performances but that second half performance the crowd really got behind City there was a great atmosphere in the second half and it, it was a
3: really vital three points yeah exactly and you know I, it's been a while since shed us something to sing about and you know what they over 300 minutes without a goal as soon as they got the goal the place livened up again and um, even the attacking players looked looked like uh, Darrell Connacht kind of came back into his own done really well Big Joe was fantastic at the back so um, you know there is positives. There's a few negatives, but let's let's take away all the good positives and and the result and the three points because, like we're on the pitch you now, the conditions weren't great, and like, you can see how difficult you
0: can the, see it there. I mean, just just behind us, the uh, the goalmouth
3: behind us is a proper mud bat That's like something out of the, the 1960s or something. Yeah, it is. It is. It's like the old fashioned games, and uh, you know the, the conditions weren't great. It wasn't there for football, but the games are there to be won, and they won, and that's the most important thing. And and they have three points on the board, they scored a the goal, and uh, now they go back onto the training ground on Monday, and and they go again for. for Next Friday.
0: You mentioned a few players there uh, Big Joe at the back and Daryl Connor and Garrod Marcy. I mean, Garrod Marcy's the captain. He's a local court guy. He's here a good few
3: years and he's a very well in the second half. It's important that Garrod is a, is a guy to drive him on isn't he? Well, that's it because Gaz is a fantastic footballer and uh, I suppose sometimes when you watch Gaz you'll be frustrated in the way he's playing. But, like, as you said, first half he was quiet, but the second half, you know, he dominated the midfield. He was on the ball, he was making his tattles, he was getting on the ball and passing it. And uh, he looked like the leader, and that's what Gaz needs to do now because this is his time to lead the team. You know, he, you know, he's always been there or thereabouts, and lads have been there with him. But now it's Gaz's team, he's the captain, and he's got to show it. And he, he certainly did show that in the second half. He, you know, he had a fantastic second half. And as I said, start of the season, Alex Byrne finished off last season in style, and he was fantastic there tonight. Um, a worry injury for the keeper Liam Boston. He went off injured just
0: before half time, and uh, Mark McNulty was back on. Uh, he was probably back in, in goal sooner than he thought
3: he would be, but he did all right. Yeah, I thought Nelson very well. He, he had to deal with a couple of shots and a few crosses. Um, hopefully, uh, Boston is okay but um, you know, that's football It changed so quickly and Nulls is Nult's probably sitting there thinking he's not going to play for SSEs and, and he's back in he's kept a clean sheet and you know, but it looks like he's probably going to play again next Friday night so uh, I'm delighted for Nulls as well because you know, he gave a lot of service to the club yeah. and you know what, he's, he's come in and he's taken his chance and you know what, he hasn't moaned there'll be no negativity from him and he's coming tonight and sure what a good professional he is Big time Alright it's a win George we're
0: delighted with it won it against Finn Harps here for Cork City and the season is up and running with the first win of the season And it was the first win and that was Cork City legendary player George O'Callaghan chatting to me after the game last night uh, giving his views on the game. Still scoreless, just coming up to the stroke of half-time now in the Watford and Liverpool game. Nil all is still how it is there. And how are we looking in the Munster game, Tomás?
1: Munster have just gone over as we speak. Billy Holland um, with the try. So um, it's taken it to to 15-3 with the conversion yet to come. Um, Munster got a penalty kick to the corner. out Maul, and then a series of pick and goes and Billy saw a bit of space in the, in the left hand corner. I don't think he gets too many of them, but it's great <laughs> to see, uh, great to see Billy uh, nicking for, for a try. So, um, Munster 15, Scarlets three game is nearly over, but look, Munster will try and push on for, for a bonus point. There's 51 minutes gone there, so
0: fantastic stuff well we stick with Cork City now and the big news out of Cork City more so than any of the on the field results in the last few weeks has been the off the field matters the finances uh, the club came within two hours of not getting a Premier Division licence to play this season a couple of weeks ago they were saved from the brink by the owner of Preston North End a guy called Trevor Hemmings this guy is a billionaire he owns a company called Grovemore Limited and they are currently putting together a proposal to take over Cork City FC they want to buy the club one 100% outright from the current entity that owns the club that is the supporters trust forest and they want to um, hopefully push the club onto the next level and to compete with the the likes of Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers and um, keep the club up there as what it has been really the biggest club in the country Cork City FC Declan Carey is the chairman of Cork City FC and the chairman of the board of management of the Forest Trust as well and he's in studio with us now Uh, Declan thanks a million for coming in very welcome thanks Colin. it was a pleasure no worries. Um, Off to a winning start finally last night I suppose we'll chat about on the field matters first and one the winning against Finn Harps. It's been a bad start of the season initially before that the first three games very disappointing but a win last night in front of a good crowd on a bad night at Turners Cross and
4: uh, everyone's delighted with that. Yeah, look Colm I suppose on my way into the ground I was you know, apprehensive as well the weather was poor it was looking like it was going to be one of those nights um, Finn Harps have been a good run of form as well so you know it was a, a huge game for us in that sense as well as you said no win in the first three games albeit you know difficult games away to Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers um, but yeah great to get the result last night I think uh, Turner's cross was absolutely hopping as well at the, at, you know, especially in the second half there after the goal went in and um, yeah, unfortunately we you know a, a bit of a downer on the night with Leon Boscans injury as well. Um, we wish him all the best. Unfortunately, he he's on the mend con- though, isn't he? Yeah, he's on the mend. Unfortunately, he suffered a concussion. Um, so yeah, hopefully he'll be back now in a couple of weeks um, and we wish him all the best in his recovery. Very brave um, from him, especially to you know do his best to prevent that almost certain goal and and he did. Um, and we went on then to pick up the three points. So yeah, fantastic all round. And I mean it's it's a it's a new squad. It's a relatively new manager
0: still in Neil Fenn. He's he's been there a season and a third. Um and it was good for Neil Fenn and for for the new lads I suppose to get a win and for the new lads to experience the kinda the feeling of winning in turn Cross in front of a home crowd because there was a good atmosphere last night as well.
4: Yeah, and look, I'm delighted for Neil as well, especially. Look, when you look at that guy, he uprooted his life now and has moved down to Cork, and he didn't come down here to play, you know, cannon father to anyone in this league. Yeah. He wants to win games, um, and that's the discussions we've had with him over the last couple of months. We want to be a winning team, we want to be competitive. And yeah, just delighted for him to finally pick up a, a, a huge win. I think, you know, he, as you said, he came in there in the latter part of, uh, the end of last season, picked up a home win against Dundalk as well, which was great. Um, but really, now this is his team. Um, he's rebuilt the squad from the ground up and it will take time to gel uh, without a doubt. You know, we will have many ups and downs over the course of this season. I've no doubt about that as well. But look, it's exciting to be a, a Cork City fan. Um, you could see last night even a crowd at 2,300 coming out in, the, in that weather. It to, was to, a horrendous night like, like, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's refreshing to see as well and you can really get that sense around the place now that everyone's in it together and, and we all know exactly where we are um and, and where we want to get to. So it's great to have the the backing of everyone and yeah, as you said, for, for, for Neil and, and those players as well to, to come together and you know, I, I know myself from, from seeing those players from a, a somewhat of a distance. There's a great bond amongst that group as well. They're all like-minded guys and, and they all want the same thing. They all want to win football matches. They all want to learn um, and, and play in front of big crowds at Turner's Cross and, 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 and that's what they've got so far, I think.
0: I suppose Neil Fenn has assembled this squad under pretty tight budgetary conditions uh, finances as we know are, are difficult at the moment for Cork City so he's operating there in difficult circumstances as well
4: yeah look and we, we spoke to Neil um, you know the, towards the end of last summer um, and yeah he, he had the, the, a full picture of, of the, the challenge ahead yeah. um, you know make m- no mistake about that it was a huge challenge um, from our conversations with him we knew he was the right man for the job to to take us and completely rebuild the squad um, Look, to be honest, over the last two years, we've probably been hemorrhaging money on, on wages, especially with the, the crowds depleting since, you know, towards the end of 2018. It wasn't sustainable. Um, so look, we have to make drastic changes to that. Um, and and they absolutely have to be done um, for the good of the club, for the good of the of for us. Um, and we, we had to make difficult decisions in terms of the budget and um, decisions all round, all across the club. Um, but look, yeah, here we are now, and I think um, I think people can can see the the hard work that's gone on behind the scenes, especially Neil with the with the squad he's built. As you said, they're under tight constraints, but that's absolutely how it should be. Um, and he should be looking to get the the best quality players he can for with, with the money he has available to him.
0: I suppose most of the talk in the last couple of weeks has been more about off the field matters and initially there was a lot of rumours about Preston North End, the sell on clauses, Preston North End wanting to take over Cork City to be a feeder club, Cork City to be a feeder club for Preston, uh, then it all came into the public domain last week that it, that it's actually the owner of Preston North End, Trevor, Trevor Hemmings, who has held discussions through his representative Peter Risdale with Forrest um, and with the board and with representatives of Cork City and so on, so... They've given Cork City a sum of money, a sizable sum of money, for the sell-on clauses for Sean McGuire and Alan Brown, and they want to be involved more in the club, and they want amount to take over of the club, really. Um, so, I mean. It, it's a difficult decision for Cork City fans to make because Cork City fans have been burned by owners in the past. Tom Callan, the Arcasia debacle. Um, but from what we've heard, these guys seem like the real deal, and I, I'm, I'm totally aware that there's only certain things you can say here. But I mean, this is this is on the cards.
4: Yeah. Um, look. Yeah. To, to kind of start from the beginning. Yeah, we did. Um, you know, we had difficulty securing a Premier Division license there over the winter, and we worked extremely hard to try and. Um, trying to achieve that which we ultimately did Um, you know cashing in on those sell-on clauses for Alan Brown and Sean McGuire absolutely had to be done Um, it was a difficult decision for us to take but look ultimately yeah preston Ireland we did come to an agreement with them um, and throughout those discussions then with them and look we've had a very positive relationship with them anyway over the last couple of years um, they did express an interest um, through their owner Trevor Hemings um, who owns businesses in Cork already he, you know he um, owns mm. um has a stud firm there in Cantor I believe as well um, and look yeah he's a hugely successful businessman um, he you know did um, did do us a massive favour I think at the, at the 11th hour to uh, to, to to pay off those uh, uh, like, those clauses. Let's be
0: clear about this, like things were pretty stark in that situation. Yeah, right. they, they were. were was not going to get a Premier Division license. That uh, yeah. Cork City wouldn't be playing right now if that hadn't happened.
4: Yeah, that was that was a, a very strong likelihood. Um, you know, the the week of the Shelburne game, um, and at the eleventh hour, you know, Trevor Heming stumped up and, and gave us the cash. You know, could he have just sat there and and let us not get a license and ultimately be liquidated and go bust, which would be absolutely horrific? But he could have done that. But he ultimately, he didn't. He has a, an, an attachment to Cork. It seems based on our conversations with him and his associates so yeah um, ultimately then as well that's led us now to you know meeting with our members last Sunday and mm. um, we had an information meeting with our, with our shareholders the, the forest members I yeah, was there yep, huge yeah. huge crowd there as well for that um, I think everyone's interested now and all, they all realise the, cl- the club is at a crossroads where you know financially can we look to start competing again in the top two or three you know how long will that actually take to achieve under the current model um, and we had those discussions with members and look, we're, we're as open, honest and upfront and transparent with our members as we possibly can be. Um, we, we told him that there was an expression of interest for Trevor Hemmings to possibly take over the club. That's all I can really say about it at this moment in time. Um, look, I, I'm sure Mr. Hemmings and his his associates are... You know, doing their due diligence and and, and, and working out some kind of um, possible proposals that they can bring to members and ultimately this won't be up to the board of management at all. Look, we'll just facilitate any discussions. You guys are just kind of facilitating discussions really with
0: Trevor Hemmings with his company Grove More Limited, who would ultimately probably be the, the holding company who would go on to own courses Yeah
4: look yeah we we'll speak to our members as much as possible get as much feedback from our supporters as well not just Forest members yeah. look at the end of the day there's 2,300 fans in the ground last night there was 4,000 there again, Shelburne yeah. and there's only 600 Forest members so look non-Forest members have a huge voice in this as well and we'll get as much feedback as we can relay that back to Mr Hemmings and his, his team and look if if they feel that they want to come and make a proposal then to the, to the membership then yeah we'll we'll help facilitate that if it, if it makes sense for the club and ultimately it will be up to the members I mean, how, how
0: long is this process going to take do you think because i i, I know nobody probably really knows because these things take time there's lawyers involved there's 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 whole thing going on in the background um, but like wh- when is there probably going to be a vote do you think
4: uh, i i couldn't say at this stage colin look it's it's completely up to you know trevor hemmings and his and his, and his team really they they're the ones that will We'll, we'll set the timeline on this one. Um, we're we're ploughing on as normal, as if like you know, Forrest is the the current owners of Cork City FC, and we'll plough on as normal. We'll stick to the same budgets that we put in place um, over the winter. We got our Premier Division licence, we're in a much healthier position now as well from the sell-on of those clauses. Um, we're always working to put strict financial um, you know, policies and procedures in place to make sure that the club is sustainable and we're not hemorrhaging money on wages and being put under massive pressure to get crowds in the gate, which ultimately dictates what a lot of what happened over the last year or two um but yeah look you'd hope you know we'd have an answer or somewhere maybe by the summer at least across and yeah, and, and
0: it it it's something that you'd imagine would be would be hopefully for the good of the club yeah. um use the word sustainable and it's a word we've heard a lot recently uh, but there's a big difference between sustainable and successful um Forest might be able to keep the club sustainable to a certain extent but does it need more to be successful if you're competing with your Dundalks,
4: or Shamrock Rovers, top of the league? It absolutely does, Colm. Look, yeah. we, you know, money talks in football, unfortunately. If you, if you want to be up there competing with the, the top two, you know, certain things can happen like over the last five or six years, you know, we were blessed with certain players coming into the club like Sean Maguire yeah. and... You know some big players as well, Stephen Beattie Carol Shepherd, Johnny Dunleavy. These guys came in and they were huge personalities, and you know they helped drive the club on um, and be successful. But these guys look, cost money. They do exactly, yeah. yeah. They cost money, yeah. and and that's the way it is. And look, a player in this league at the moment, if they if they do well, they're probably likely to go to Dundalk, Shamrock Rovers, or possibly go across the water. It's, hard, it's difficult to keep onto them, um, and ultimately money will talk. Um, but look, yeah, we we'll still carry on as as best we can if it's a. It's a a more sustainable type of growth that we're we're looking at with the with the forest model. Then, so be it. We'll um, we'll see how that goes um, over the next while. But we're we're happy enough with the position we're in right now. But as you said, yeah, finance is crucial, and we tried to source finance from a number of different avenues over the winter as well. And
0: it's disappointing that that there hasn't been more local support, I suppose, from local businesses. I know we we have we have great guys in Cork over the years, like Brian Lennox, and he was in the press again during the week speaking in favour of this proposed takeover. Um, But, I mean, it's disappointing from your perspective, my perspective as a Forest member, everyone involved in the club, that more court businesses don't, don't get behind us isn't
4: it yeah look I, I suppose that's <laughs> there's, there's a couple ways of ways of looking yours. at that yeah, look yeah, just yeah. speaking about Brian Lennox yeah. that man is an absolute yeah. legend he's, he's helped us out so much even the board right now over the last over the last year as well great advice always can, can pick up the phone and speak to him anytime? Um, I chatted to him as well at the match last night he's just you know always great to, yeah. to, to give that advice he's been there and done it as well um, he's known the financial hardships as well of running a Le- League of Ireland club um, but yeah, the businesses in Cork look. It, it, I, I I honestly think we get huge support from like yourselves, Red FM. Yeah, Do you know. You, but uh, I suppose I'm, I'm speaking uh, more from, from an, an investment, investment perspective. Than a yeah, yeah. You know? Outside of sponsorship, yeah, yeah it is. Look, you, you you just have to look at all the different multinationals and businesses in Cork, and should we. Get more kind of support or backing look these companies have their own ideologies and how saying. they do that but look um, yeah it's, it's disappointing but look we'll, we, we'll try our best to open up as many financial avenues as possible um, and that's ultimately what we have to do as, as a board that's our responsibility to the, to the membership to try and make the club as, as successful as it possibly can it is disappointing and look Trevor Hemmings I suppose you could consider him like a Cork businessman. he owns a number of businesses exactly, in yeah. Cork yeah. And yeah. he's come in now and, and, and expressed an interest and Look we'll, we'll see how that goes so look at ultimately I think once word gets out that potentially maybe the membership are open to this type of thing that maybe more will come forward now. Have any more come forward? No, no, we haven't, um. And so he's the only, yeah, yeah, he's the only, the only one that's there. expressed interest so far. And look, there was reports in the media last week as well, interviews with guys in the MFA that he's potentially looking to turn uh, cross, uh, purchase yeah. Turner's Cross, which I think is, you know, would be massive as well for, for that ground. Um, it's a, it's a massive need of, of a, of a refresher to say the least anyway. You know, there's a lot of work that can be done there as well. Um, but look, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes and yeah. Exciting times, I suppose. In that a, it sense is exciting to, times. to see like what it, it, happens. This, but this could be a huge thing down the line. This could be
0: yeah. the start of something big for Cork City, but no, nobody knows how it's going to go. Yeah, it
4: could be Cullen, but look, at the end of the day, it'll be up to the members. Yeah. And, and, and if they don't want this, then then so be it. We'll we'll still have um, Forrest us, for us there to, to to carry the club on um, in its current guise. And, and and if that's what the members want, then that's what the members will get. And if they want to go down a different avenue, then then of course we'll do our best to facilitate. Would you be that.
0: disappointed as a board if the proposal you brought to them? What was voted
4: look I, without seeing any proposal at this know, stage column it's a, it's kind of an impossible one to yeah. answer like really um I think look at the end of the day we're we're not just six guys that were just put in this position, we were elected by the membership, so we feel we're we're a strong representation of the membership and look if a proposal comes, I imagine we'll be able to screen that first before first, it goes yeah. to the membership, yeah. and if it just makes absolutely no sense, I think we can speak on behalf of the membership. To and I suppose the, that, the, that the there's case. probably a lot of
0: guys within Forest, without naming names as well, who who aren't on the board, who who will be able to help you and facilitate you. with Of course,
4: yeah, her, yeah. Know. We we always rely on on guys who've you know been experienced and been on the board since 2009, 2010. They've been through the hard times, um, and yeah, we we can always pick up the phone and get advice from from different quarters across the Forest membership as well. And there's some a lot of skilled expertise across the membership as well in, in that sense to help us with these kind of discussions and. Um yeah, absolutely. As look at as you said, to be disappointed, it, it you know <laughs> I, I, I'd probably say no, to be honest, because look ultimately the membership are, you know, the heart and soul of the club and they they pay their membership fees and they they make the decisions, they elect the board. And, um, yeah, they elect us for a reason. You know, maybe they feel an attachment to certain board members and this is why they vote them in. Yep. And, you know, ultimately we'll, re- we'll represent them. Um, when we get onto the board, we just don't stop representing the, the membership. That's ultimately our, our number one aim and, and goal. And yeah, we'll see when, when a proposal does come, I'm sure it'll, you know we'll we'll do our best to make sure that it makes sense to before it goes to a membership for a vote.
0: Nice one. We'll see what happens with the proposed takeover of Moore Limited and Trevor Hemmings of Cork City FC. Yeah. Um but it's it's back on the pitch on Friday night Declan I suppose like aside from all that stuff we just have to drive on and Try and pick up points and try and win games and and enjoy it as well. I suppose
4: that's it. Look, you know? at the end of the day, it's, that's what it's all about. It's about. going out to Turner's cross on a Friday night with your mates, where you just you know want to have a pint or you want to go out with your son or daughter or you know go out with your mates and you know chill out on a Friday night. Maybe not chill out sometimes when you yep. know it's a it's a dodgy <laughs> nil there all. Are, there are people out there who don't care who wants to I mean, exactly. They, they want to go to yeah. game. They do, yeah. and ultimately you want to just bring it back to that. Spoke going out watching football matches and it's an entertaining uh, Friday night in Cork um, for anyone who wants to wants to head out to the cross and. They, they that's why I started go, going to games, and that's why the guys on the board started going to games. Ultimately, and you know, you, we just become more invested, and our love for the club grows, and you want to get more involved. And look, yeah, it's it, it, that's what it's all about. Pat's away now next Friday and then we've bowls again the following week and the games are coming ticking fast now it was a long winter to say push the least. up
0: the table now we, yeah, yeah. we get a European place yeah, we will get ahead of ourselves That's it,
4: yeah. yeah, less time in the boardroom now and uh, more time <laughs> in the cross will uh, yeah, be much appreciated I'm sure all of our families would appreciate that Absolutely. as well <laughs> Great.
0: Declan thanks for coming in to us and uh, best of luck with the rest of the season thanks Colm pleasure right. nice one um, alright we go to Tomás now for an update on the monster game how's it looking
1: Tomás and what's left? currently it's 15 to Munster and 10 points to Scarlet so um, just after we updated on Billy Holland's try, Scarlets more or less went up straight up the the other side of the field after a series of of pressure from the forwards as well picking goals they got over through their prop um, just to the left of the sticks so easy 7 points Um, so it's 15-10 and there is 15-14 minutes left on play and Munster are in the Scarlet's attack um, with with a driving ball so 15.10 15.10 there, forty minutes left.
0: All right, nice one. We're going to talk more rugby when we come back because uh, we're talking about the, the whole thing with the coronavirus and rugby and sport in general, maybe, and, the, and the, the general implications. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Also, an interview with Matt Griffin, the second part of that on motorsport as well. It's all to come here on the Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Yeah, it's Colm O'Sullivan and Samal Soleri with you on the Big Red Bench until 7 o'clock and uh, the monster game still ongoing ongoing there at Home Park, but um during the week the Irish Rugby Football Union confirmed that the Ireland versus Italy Six Nations match scheduled uh, for next weekend will not go ahead now as planned as I'm sure everyone knows given the need to protect public health in relation to the coronavirus. Uh the IRFU chief executive Philip Brown, he said the organization was acting on government advice and the IRFU was perfectly happy to comply with its recommendations. Uh, they're looking at the possibility of rescheduling the games for a later date. They've asked ticket holders to retain their tickets. It was due to go ahead at the Aviva Stadium next week. The uh, the women's game and the under-20 games are also called off now. And it follows an hour-long meeting during the week with the Minister for Health, Simon Harris, and um, IRFU de- officials at the Department of Health. Tomás, is it the right decision to call off the game, do you think?
1: I suppose we have to... Or, or is it panic um, and hysteria? I, I look... I guess the government essentially made it in, in conjunction with with the the health, um, you know, the obviously your your health ministers and and yeah. you know the real experts in health um, who who make the decisions. But I think probably I think there are a few were probably a bit annoyed in in the manner of which they announced that they they recommended um, basically broad pa- broadcasted to the airwaves like Simon Harris Simon, yeah. Simon Harris pretty much came on the 6-1 news yeah, and ex- said everything without ever speaking to the yeah, RFU didn't exactly. he exactly so I think they were a bit miffed that they weren't consulted beforehand so then they obviously sought a meeting because look in terms of Insurance and um you know cancellations and people you know whether they'd be responsible for for ticket holders you know if if the yeah. game was canceled and never replayed so um look for for all those kind of reasons there if you had to basically be told by the government, look this is what is happening, this is a government recommendation, and it's not it's not a few decisions, so I think it was essentially out of the few hands um look there's flights coming in and out in from Italy still. Yes yeah. You know They're, 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 they're not allowing um, Italian fans travel Or whatever It seems strange and, and a lot of those Italian
0: fans are going to
1: travel Like yeah. I mean If you or me Had a weekend Booked in Rome next week And
0: the game was called off We'd probably go And enjoy Rome regardless yeah, They're going to yeah. come to Dublin And have a bit of crack And probably go See some of the sights in Dublin Go down to Temple Bar Have a couple of drinks so they're still going to be here Maybe not all of them But a good percentage of them Are still going to travel and they're still going to be mingling with people in Ireland. So does it make a whole lot of difference, I wonder? And, I mean, none of us know the ins and outs of this, corona- this coronavirus yeah. thing, and we don't know how this is going to go down the line. But is it logical?
1: Yeah, look, I suppose, look, you're you're not going to shut down the whole economy and stop all inward flights, outward flights of of any country. So, um, you yeah, know, unless you do that, you're not going to contain this virus. So, um, look, I think it would be great to have the game on but look yeah. I guess we must kind of concede that we're not experts in, on any no, kind of far, American far from issues no, or and, experts on anything in uh, general like yeah, <laughs> and we have to hope that you know those in charge uh, are making these decisions are making the right calls and look obviously I suppose at this stage of the outbreak it's it's about curtailing it and yeah. about being ca- cautious, really so look we have to err side of caution so probably probably the right decision but it's just disappointing from, from a playing point of view and from a spectator point of view
0: what are the implications now for the Six Nations in general I know England still have to go to Rome as well at some stage in a, yeah. like a couple of weeks time Um will this game be replayed will it not uh, how, how is it going to affect the, the Six Nations for the, for the rest of the tournament nobody knows I suppose yeah
1: look it's it's hard to say remember when they with the, the foot and mouth outbreak and I don't think the game was played again till till September or something Ireland yeah. um, England game at the time um, look Ireland look there's, there's outbreak of coronavirus confirmed in France I think there's 29 or 30 cases confirmed over there yeah. so we have to go there next week um, look hopefully we do go there because hopefully France if they be, if they beat Scotland will be will be contending for, for the Grand Slam. Um it's just disappointing from the tournament's uh point of view, you know, if we do have to push look it's probably going to be a meaningless game anyway, the mm-hmm. Ireland Italy game unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um so it mightn't really ruin the, the whole complexion of the tournament. Um, but I think it, it does I suppose get, it, it, players who are looking for an opportunity like Kelleher at Hooker, um John Cooney at nine A few kind of question marks um, about whether or not that we'll be able to, to, I suppose, get those players an opportunity when you're going over to France, um, such a hostile environment that France are are really hopping. Um, So, look, Italy game with respect to Italy, that would be a great chance to to maybe look at other players coming in, uh, maybe look at a different 9 and 10, um, just just, just change things up. And um, look, we're not going to get that opportunity now unless we do it against France, and going to France experimenting is very dangerous so
0: it certainly is Um, I want to broaden it out from the Six Nations this whole coronavirus developing situation and the implications for sport in general over the next couple of months the front of the examiner this morning Um, saying a decision will be made by May on the Olympics whether they go ahead in Tokyo or not Uh, UEFA have said it's a waiting game for Euro 2020 that's due to be staged across 12 cities in Europe they've changed the complexion of the the European Championships finals uh, whereas one one always up to now would be held in one host country it's different cities Dublin's one of them this time for the finals Um, they're saying that might not go ahead the Olympics might not go ahead That the back of the sun this morning was saying the Premier League might not finish uh, and then there'd have to be a decision whether they'd just award the title to Liverpool or something. Like, I mean, these are all hypothetical things because this could all pass off without major incidents over the next few weeks. But worst case scenario, I mean, it's huge implications for sport across the board, isn't it?
1: Yeah, look, huge implications for for the whole of the economy, really, and how it functions. Not just sport, but look, you know, you already see... um, you know where where the, the the virus originated. That schools are closed, yep. places of work are closed. Um, so look, if, if it does have a major impact and, and spreads, and unfortunately, if there is further fatalities and and I guess uh, a, a high kind of mortality rate, then not just sporting. Um, you know. Occasions and, and tournaments, they won't just affected. Which in, in itself, if they are if they are affected, they have a knock on effect on our economy anyway. But obviously schooling and and work and look, you already see with the 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 the, the downfall of shares and, and yeah. the price of shares dropping. I mean, they're,
0: they're, they're, yeah, they're they're saying like. It's like two thousand and eight all over again. Yeah, the way exactly. it's
1: going, yeah. So look, sport obviously plays a massive part in our economy uh, and just socially as well as uh, as, as financially. So hopefully, um, look, we can kind of contain the the impact of this virus and that there is minimal impact on, on sporting fixtures and that this is just kind of a precaution and we can kind of get things under control. Um, so yeah, look, it's it's kind of worrying times, all right, in terms of of the economy and in terms of sport. Um, but like, I guess. People's health and 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 the, the containment of this virus is, is paramount at this stage.
0: Absolutely is, um, but we we'll wait and see. But I mean, something if something like the Olympics was to be called off, that would be unprecedented. Like,
1: yeah, know. I think it would probably wouldn't be called off. They'd probably just play it behind closed doors or yeah. broadcast it with yeah. the yeah. crowds. So yeah, that would be kind of uh, that would that'd be the only, you couldn't defer the year because people train you know four year cycles and and it's going to have a knock on effect to the next cycle as well. So I think what you get is just. But
0: I mean, could they even do that? Because in terms of the athletes themselves, like the Olympics is so big, there's thousands and thousands of athletes coming from so many places. So would that that even work?
1: That's a good... good, 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 um, Again, it's all hypothetical. uh, I know, I think... Yeah, look, the tube or whatever in in, in London... I'm going there next weekend. (laughs) Thousands of people getting on and off the tube. So, look, you can't shut down life either. And look, I know it gets to the stage where by... Um, look you have to, health and, and all of that is, 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 is first priority but um, you have to continue with, with with life too and look maybe if you can restrict or contain um, or like minimise the, the amount of people congregating in one area yeah but I think you still have to to get on with life too and you know the Olympics I think you'd have to let the athletes go yeah. uh, even if it was just without a crowd without, without yep. any spectators so yeah look it'll be very interesting to see how it all plays out
0: it will, we'll monitor it over the next few weeks and hopefully it's, it's minimal disruption but there's just been a goal at Fixerage Road and it's for Watford Watford won up on Liverpool so that's a bit of a surprise
1: mm, Yeah, Ismail El Sar with the goal there after 54 minutes um, look, yeah, maybe maybe yeah, it's too late for, for any comeback in the in the Premier League, alright but <laughs> um, yeah, it's a surprise definitely um, you would expect Liverpool to, to win there but I guess Watford are, are, are kind of fighting for their own kind of survival as well so yeah, interesting times there We
0: bear in mind that Liverpool were, um, were behind during the week as well against West Ham and, and came back to win it so they could easily go on to win that game there's still 35 minutes left in that Right now we're going to talk motorsport and last Sunday on the show we heard part one of our producer Ryan Grace's interview with Ferrari GT driver and Ireland's top professional racing driver Matt Griffin Here's the rest of that interview for you now in which Matt discusses racing in Le Mans and his plans for the future as well
5: I watched a, a very interesting video of yours. It's on your website, an onboard lap video of you from, I think, about four or five years ago. And in it, you break you kind of break down the track that you're racing on corner by corner, detailing kind of gear changes and how much of the road you're allowed to cover. How much prep does it take to become familiar with a new track like that?
6: I mean, when you're starting out, definitely it takes, it takes a lot of effort and work to learn tracks. The, the more tracks you learn, um, the better you get. The The way the world has gone now, um, I I always kind of, I like the idea of myself being kind of an old school racing driver, like the, the kind of heroes of the past, and you kind of get to a track and you just get on and, and go as quick as you can. But the reality is you can't really do that anymore, and you know, I kind of have to adopt the more modern and tech technology uh, that's out there with the racing simulator. So I have a racing simulator at home in my house and, you know, I spend probably five or six hours a week on that. And it's really particularly important if I'm going to a circuit, I don't know. So I will do hours and hours on the on the race simulator. And while it's not exactly reality, it certainly gives you a, a big leg up when you get to a new track. And with the use of the simulator within four to five laps, you're more or less up to speed Um, And then that helps the engineering side of things because then you can then immediately rather than taking an hour to learn the track, you've got it nailed in four or five laps and then you can start to work on developing the car and the setup and making sure uh, everything is as fast as it it can be uh, before the race starts
5: it's crazy, the commitment, the level of commitment, you know, like, I mean, you you really are dedicating your whole, your whole life to it, kind of mentally and physically. Just to throw some statistics to our listeners who might not be as familiar, your career, uh, 67 wins, 118 podiums, 69 fastest laps and 44 pole positions. Now, we'll definitely talk about Le Mans, but I suppose which of these would kind of stand out to you as highlights of your career? I mean, it,
6: when you look at it, it it's difficult because there's you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to have some, you know, amazing results. You know, I won the Gulf Twelve Hour, which is a big race in Abu Dhabi. Uh, I was uh, second and third in the Bathurst Twelve Hour, which is a, a really big race in Australia. Uh, the biggest one probably would be. You know, outside of Le Mans would we'll be winning the 24 hours of Spa, which is the Spa Francochamp is, you know, if you look, any racing driver in the world, you ask them what their favorite circuit is, they'll say Spa Francochamp in, in Belgium. Apart from the F1 Grand Prix, the biggest race there is the 24 hours, and I, I was lucky enough to, to win that in 2013, and I've been on the podium a couple of more times, and, and it's those sort of things that you, you know, you look back on, and when you're doing them and, and you win a race, you go on to the next one, but then at the end of the season, you know, you look back, I'll be sitting in my office or something, and I'll, I'll look up at the trophy and I'll be like, yeah, that was a that was a, that was a big win. Uh, I think I'm the only Irishman to win the spot 24 hours, so, you know, it's another kind of tick, tick for that side of things as well.
5: You're, in fact, the only Irishman to stand on the Le Mans 24-hour podium, which is. Which is an absolutely outstanding feat. There was a film you might be familiar with that came out last year, um, Ford versus Ferrari, which is surrounds the 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 Le Mans twenty four hour race, and it highlights how demanding it is and how kind of outright dangerous it is. I mean, you've mentioned already you're going from being fast asleep to going a, a, a mile a second in in a matter of ten minutes. How was your experience of it, and and what what's involved in preparing yourself for something like that?
6: Yeah, I got the first time I did Le Mans was 2012, and to be honest, Ryan, I was completely unprepared for it. The the difference between Le Mans and other, uh, you know, other races we do is Le Mans is predominantly 80% of it's on public roads that they close, so it's it's a street race uh, as such, and it's 24 hours, and the the average speed is much higher than than on your normal racing tracks, say Silverstone or Mondello or you know Brand Hatch. That at Le Mans, the the overall average speed is much higher. And I went there thinking it was just another race. And then you get to Le Mans and there's 350,000 spectators. Everybody wants to talk to you. you trying to get from the paddock to where, you, where you're staying. It, it's impossible. And the whole... Energy and vibe of the place um, completely took me by surprise. I mean, National Geographic actually rated Lamana as the number one sporting event in the world, with the uh, Olympic second and the Rugby World Cup, or, sorry, the Football World Cup as third. So it gives you the kind of scale of the event. So the first time I went there, I was just completely bewildered. I did an okay job in the race, and, and but it was just I couldn't take it all in. Then year by year, I've gotten more comfortable with it. Uh, this year, which um, I'm starting to do Le Mans again, will be my ninth consecutive time. And now I kind of know the race very well. I know the routine that I need to be in to get the best out of myself. And, and as you said, I was on the podium there uh, and I've come, i finished fourth and i finished fifth as well at Le Mans. So uh, I definitely, one itch that I need to scratch uh, is to is to win Le Mans. That was, that's my, uh, that's my main kind of goal going forward uh, because that's the sort of, that's the thing that you, you can say okay when it's all said and done and 20 years from now I look back on my career if you've won Le Mans you can even if you even if you forget all the other results if you won Le Mans you can say uh, my career was successful so that's uh, definitely something I'm
5: aiming to do Absolutely I mean that doesn't surprise me the National Geographic ranking it so highly as a sporting event because they, like it's you know you, you kind of you're used to it now like you say you've done it nine years for someone like me looking in the absurdity of it like you're saying that it's 80% public roads that are just shut down and it's at 24 it's relentless you know I I, it, I can't wrap my head around it at all to be honest I'd imagine doing it I'd say is the the rush of adrenaline must be something else
6: yeah, and it's, it you get a massive rush of adrenaline, uh, doing it. And like I said, you know, the analogy of we don't get the warm up. So you, you literally just get in. And the hardest part of it is the, is keeping ahead of your hydration and your calories. Cause the, the sport, you know, the, the sport that I do endurance racing, I race for a Ferrari. So it's in a closed cockpit car and, and it can get up to 50, 55 degrees Celsius inside the car. So it's trying to stay on top of your hydration. You know, you get out of the car at three in the morning. You're tired, and you've got the the team physio who's trying to like ram food down your throat. And the last, all you want to do is go to sleep. The last thing you want to do is eat. But if you don't eat after you have slept for like an hour, an hour and a half, which is the maximum, you'll you'll get up, you'll feel terrible. So you've got to like almost force feed yourself. Then get a massage. Then get a little bit of sleep, and then boom, you're back in the car again. So it's uh, it's re- it really is a, it's something that. You can't savour when you do it because it's just all happening around you and you know what time you need to be in the car. And the idea is when you're not in the car, you need to try to be resting. Uh, but it, it's amazing. You know, when when I when my career finishes, which I hope, you know, I'd like to, to think I'm I'm 37 now, so I'd like to think I have another, you know, seven, eight years. I, I do plan to go to Le Mans with, with my friends, you know, a lot of, you know, Cork friends and actually see the event. Because when you do an event like that, you never actually... You certainly don't enjoy it because you're you're there to do a job and compete in it. Uh, but definitely, when when I finish racing, the idea is definitely go to go to Le Mans and and look at it through the eyes of a spectator.
5: It's it sounds like the perfect mix between heaven and hell. It, like it, <laughs> do you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it. Yeah, I'd imagine going to it will be a much different experience. It'll probably be very interesting for you. To be kind of on the other side of the fence and looking down at, at at other races racers, then kind of doing what you do, where you're jumping from sleeping to eating to massages to racing. It's just it it just seems so relentless, uh, Matt. Apart from racing, you also work quite closely in testing and developments in the sport. Can you talk to us a bit about your work there?
6: Yeah, so it it kind of it rolls part and parcel. Luckily enough, I've, I've raced for Ferrari, and I have done since. Uh, in, a, in the official capacity since 2011 and you know being a, a driver for the factory uh, for our racing team it means that you're involved in a lot of development uh with the with the race cars so that that's a really cool side of it because you know most when you're racing you're there and all that's important is the last time you're there to get a result when you're doing the development side of that you're you're working on things you're making the car better your input is is really important and particularly with the the 458 uh, Ferrari race car, which was the predecessor to the one we race now, was heavily involved in that. And also the, the 488 uh, GTE car, which is the current model we race now. I was heavily involved in the development of both cars. So
0: That's Matt Griffin there talking motorsport with our producer Ryan Grace. It's Colm and Tomas on the big red bench. And we're almost out of time, but... Liverpool, we know they have the League one. They're they're miles ahead at the top of the league, but they were hoping to uh, to go the whole season unbeaten and that looks under threat now, twenty five minutes left at Vicarage Road, and it's
1: two nil there now to Watford. So it's Watford two, Liverpool nil. That'll be quite the surprise to Moss, wouldn't it? Yeah, sorry with his second goal. Um, yeah, look in terms of one-off fixtures, yeah, no one would have predicted a, a Watford win. Maybe outside chance of them nicking a draw, um, but yeah, fantastic story for 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 Watford if they can nick nick the win over over Liverpool
0: yeah, uh, and I mean it would it would be a huge win for them because they're 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 right down there in the relegation battle, so that would be a big three points if they can hold on, but still uh, twenty five
1: minutes left in that game there at Fickers Road. Um Munster there Tomas. Yeah, Munster have just got over for their bonus point try. Um so it's twenty seven ten now. I think it's Gavin Coombs who who's got over for it, so um, last, last play of the game a series of scrums and then they, they went wide and pick and go and I think Gavin Coombs has muscled his way over to to make it a, a bonus point win for Monster.
0: nice one that is us out of time for today um, I'm off next weekend but uh, Ryan and Tomas will be here with you and Tomas and Rory are back on the show tomorrow evening from 6 as well have a great Saturday night whatever you're doing enjoy your weekend Stevie G is up next